Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. All right, so today I want to read from Matthew chapter 7, and going to start in verse 24. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fail, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Father, we just ask your blessing upon this message. So I want to talk to you today, or the title for my talk today is, What's in Your House? What's in your house? What are we building our homes upon? What are, we, are we building our houses upon the rock the way that we should? Are we doing things the right way. And so my plan is to talk about our home some, but uh, our home lives. But really, this is a, a message about relationships. Um, so it can be applied as, you know, wherever, anywhere you're having relationships with people at work or, or, or at the home or whatever it could be. And talking about the importance of our belief systems toward relationships. Uh, I know I use that word a lot, but it's just so, so important the way that we believe. And see, it's, it's amazing how when it comes to relationships, um, everyone basically never thinks anything is their fault. We don't want things to be our fault. We have a hard time with that. Uh, I, I don't like anything bad to happen, but when it does happen, I really like it when it's somebody else's fault and not mine. And I'm sure you're the, the same way. We don't want, you know, we don't want to put the blame on ourselves. We always want to put it on uh, someone, someone else. No one likes to be the reason that something bad happens. And that's pretty much normal. But the bad part about it is we, we develop this habit of, I don't know, looking for it in other people before the bad thing even happens. We just create bad stuff. We get this belief system in our relationships that something's bound to happen, so we're always on the look for it, so we already know who to blame, so we don't have to blame ourselves. And so what happens is we, we usually are really quick to point out, you know, you go somewhere and you're like, so-and-so didn't even talk to me, didn't even come up and say, hey, at the social event or the work event or even the church event. They didn't even come talk to me and uh, never have the thought, well, was I rude for not going over and speaking to them? We never think about ourselves because if they didn't talk to you, that means you didn't talk to them. And so, but we're just, for some reason, 
We're geared that way. Why are we geared that way? It's our belief systems that creates this. And so uh, it's easy for us to see it in other people. But I want us to look at ourselves today. So even when I get to talking about our homes and relationships in the home, I don't want you to think about what someone else in your home could be doing better. <laughs> don't think about anyone else, what they could be better at. I want you to think about you and I'm going to think about me. I want us to think about our sales today, what we can be better at. Okay, so I just want to hit a couple things before I, I get into that and uh, kind of show you how we can get crazy belief systems about when it comes to relationships, even with God. Uh, so the first thing is we know that God's love for us is perfect. Everybody in here would agree with that. God's love is unconditional. God's love never changes. Uh, I mean, God is just amazing. He is the perfect heavenly Father. In Matthew 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So, so I've said before, this means that uh, whoever this may be, but the best dad, the best dad on his best day is still evil compared to God. That's how good He is. And that's how His love for us is it's, it's constant. It never changes. It's amazing. And see, we tend to live our lives, though, like... Our actions, uh, when we come to know the Lord, we, all of a sudden there's fear comes upon people and we start living our lives like our actions are all about the effect that those actions are going to have on His love for us. And when in reality, what it really affects is our love for Him. You know, his, we just said it. His love never changes. His love is perfect. His love is unconditional. In fact, He sent Jesus while we were still sinners, before we were even his children before we had accepted him. But yet we think so we're, we say his love never changes, but that's not how we live our lives. We live our lives like we're scared that something's going to change with the way he feels about us. The way he feels about you never changes. It's the way you feel about him that changes. And so during quarantine three years ago, Heather and I were playing volleyball with uh, Michelle's kids and our kids. And I mean, what else were we going to do? We couldn't go anywhere. So we're, we're there at the house. And uh, we like to ask weird questions when we're hanging out with them. And, and I just asked this question. We've been playing a while, so we're just sitting around talking. And I said, let me ask you all something. I said, why shouldn't you sin? It's a weird question when you're at the volleyball court. But I asked him, why, why do you think you're not supposed, it's not a good thing to sin? And I was really expecting uh, wrong answers. But they actually did a pretty good job. One of them said, because it will affect our relationship with God. And another one said, because when you sin, it opens the door for the enemy to attack you. And uh, I was, kind of, yeah, I was proud of them. <laughs> because those are not the answers that I would have given when I was a teenager. Um, I'm not blaming anybody for it, but it was a little different to the church that I grew up in than what my kids grew up in. Uh, because I would have said you're not supposed to sin because if you do, you'll go to hell. I would have said you're not supposed to sin because you don't want to make God mad. I would have said you're not supposed to sin because something bad might happen to you. I would have phrased it a whole lot differently than, than, than what they, they said because it's a different belief system that Heather and I and Michelle and Monty have tried to instill in our children than, than maybe what we had in us in different... No, no, 
mom and dad are great. I'm not saying that, but, but it was just a different time. There was a lot of fear back then. And, uh, and a lot of people, this, this, so this is about my relationship with God when I think that way. So we can get weird belief systems about stuff. People would get it backwards. See, when, when we sin, it, it does open up a door for the enemy to, to attack us, and it does affect our relationship with the Lord, but it does not affect the way that the Lord loves us or thinks about us. It affects the way that we love Him and the way we think about Him because He doesn't change. It's us that, that changes. And when someone lives a sinful lifestyle and begins to reap the fruit of that lifestyle... It's not because God doesn't love them. It's not because God has forsaken them. It's because they've put a huge target on their backs. They've opened themselves up to the enemy, and he's just doing what he does. And, and not only that, it's because sin produces things. See, we, same thing, we get a wrong belief system about this, and we go straight to fear again. If I sin, God's going to punish me. No, God's already put His punishment out. Jesus took care of it all, and for God to need to punish you means that Jesus didn't take care of it, and we know that He did. He took care of the sins of the world, everybody. The punishment was put on Him, but there are still there are there are spiritual laws just like there are natural laws. Natural laws... This electricity's nice, but if I go touch the wrong thing in that breaker box, y'all are going to be toting me out of here. It's a natural law. There's certain things that you just, it happens. And there's spiritual laws too. There are things not, it's not necessarily a consequence of what, I, what you do. It's a product of what you do. And we know that the wages of sin is death. Death usually comes through sickness and disease and other kinds of other, other things. So uh, it's, it's not that God is punishing anyone. It's just... You're going to reap fruit one way or another. You can sow into the kingdom or you can sow into the flesh, and you're going to reap those, those things. And so when a person has been sowing into a lifestyle of sin and they start to have the product of that, it's not because God doesn't love them. It's not because He's forsaken them. Sin does not change God's love for us, but it does change our love for Him. Now, we don't like to hear that. Because we don't, want to, we, want to, we don't want to take the blame. We want to blame anybody else, even if that person's God. We put the blame on Him a lot for things that are our wrong belief systems and our wrong ways of, of thinking. There's never been a problem on God's part. And so my reason for making this point is to propose to you that many times we have weird belief systems. Many times we get things wrong about, uh, about our relationship with God and about other relationships with people as well. We're not perfect. Many times we have weird belief systems about all kinds of things. And so if you think about with relationships, if you look at a lot of relationships, many times most of us, what we're doing, even when we try to do all the right things in a relationship, for a lot of them, it's it's from a motivation of wanting the other person to love us or treat us a certain way. If we're being honest, and we're not going to be honest because we don't want to put the blame on ourselves. We want to put it on somebody else. But if we're being honest, there's a lot of relationships that you're really good to people, but you're really good to them because of what you want in return. And see, it should be a focus of us just being uh, genuinely having a desire to just love that person and do well by them especially with our families and in our homes, but it should be that way even in the world because we're looking, God's the one who provides. God's the one who promotes. God's the one who blesses and takes care of everything. 
We don't need other people to do it for us. But a lot of times that is our motivation. Unfortunately, we've all done it. We've all been nice to somebody because of what we thought it could do. It could do for us. I, I shouldn't do nice things for Heather just because I want her to treat me right or do something nice for me. I should do whatever I do for her because I love her and because I just want to do well by her. But we have a few relationships that we do that way. Hopefully we are that way with our spouse and our children. But we should try to be that way with everyone. We should try to be genuine. And so now I want to try to bring this to the homes for a minute. Because these are the most important earthly relationships you're going to have. Is the, are the ones in your home. See, what if our homes were built on relationships instead of rules? Now, a house needs rules. There needs to be, just like I talked about law, uh, natural laws and spiritual laws, there needs, to be, there needs to be a few laws in the house. I'm not saying, saying that. But what if we really built our homes on relationships? You see, when I say rules, that can mean a bunch of rules or that can mean a lack of rules. See, many homes are ran like religion. It's all about the rules. Very little is about relationships. And, and trying to be your kid's best friend doesn't mean you have a relationship with them. That's not what I'm talking about. Just like trying to be your kid's prison warden doesn't mean you have a relationship with them either. So I think back when I was younger, I had friends... No, I didn't have, we were all pretty spoiled, so I didn't have very many like this, but I had a few friends that their parents had all kinds of rules. I mean strict rules about silly stuff. I'm not talking about the important things. I'm just talking about rules just so they can show you who's in charge kind of rules. And my friends, they followed all the rules because the only thing worse than the rules was the punishment for breaking the rules. And so they did the rules. But guess what they did when their parents weren't around? They talked terrible about their parents. They hated them. They said all kind of horrible things about them that were, and just about everything they said was against the rules that they were saying too. Because see, there was no relationship beyond the rules. That's the problem that happens with religion. People think they have a relationship and all they have is rules and there's no relationship beyond it. I also had friends, and I had more friends that were this way. They had parents, they could do anything they wanted. And some of them, their parents would pay for it, no matter what it was, no matter how crazy it was. Like, why would you let your kid do that? But they would let them. And they got to do anything. But guess what they would do? They talked terrible about their parents. They hated them. Couldn't stand them. And, and because there were really no rules or no consequences for breaking rules that didn't exist... They would even talk terrible to their parents. Would you there? And it would get really awkward. Cuss at them, everything else. They didn't, it didn't matter. They were free to act any way they wanted because there was no rules yet. They were still miserable because there also was no relationship. What if we built our homes on relationships? Now, my mom and dad had rules. Nothing crazy. But we had relationship. And... Uh, some things, now I was not perfect. You already know that from some of the stuff I've told you. But my dad didn't always even tell me no. I would tell him I was going to go do something when I got old enough to tell him instead of ask, or, you know, or more tell than ask. I still had to ask a little bit. But, but, uh, and he wouldn't say, don't go. He would say, that sounds like a good place to get in trouble. That would be, or maybe your dad did that to you. 
And, uh, well, I think I'm going to go do this. That doesn't sound like a good idea. And sometimes I wouldn't go. He never told me I couldn't go. But I wouldn't go because of our relationship. Now, sometimes I thought I was a little smarter than Dad, and I went anyways. And not long after I got there, I would think to myself, man, my dad was right. i got to find a way to get out of this place. But there was relationship. And I'm not trying to act like everything was perfect at my house growing up. It, it wasn't. We had our issues, too. And it's not perfect at our house. But one thing Heather and I try to focus on in everything is relationship. When it comes to the kids and even when it comes to each other. Because, see, even when it comes to a spouse... Now, you might not have a bunch of rules for your spouse. So you might. That wouldn't go very far at my house, but you may, it may work at yours. But what if we built our homes when it comes to our spouses? What if we built our homes on relationship instead of expectations? Because you might not have rules for your, sp your spouse, but you may just be really burdening them down with expectations of what you expect a good husband to be like or a good wife to be like or whatever it is. And see, sometimes we don't even realize uh, what we're doing, but we're putting a burden on, on each other instead of building a relationship. And so I want to read from uh, Romans um, chapter 12. And I'm going to start in verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men." I'm going to read that one again because we're not thinking about anybody else in the house. We're thinking about ourselves and what we need to work on. If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in, doing, in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, the last part of that especially, but, but for most of it, it's saying this is how we're supposed to treat people, even our enemies. So if we're supposed to treat other people and even our enemies this way, shouldn't we at least treat our loved ones in the house this way? Shouldn't we show hospitality to them? Shouldn't we show forgiveness to them? Shouldn't we try to make peace with them? But so many people don't do it. See, unfortunately, many times we don't realize how important this is. And see, one of the main reasons it's important because it builds relationship. Now, I, hey, kids need to understand that the parents have authority. 
Husbands and wives need to respect each other. But, uh, and, but I've been in some houses where the rules were so strict, the kid's scared to ask for anything. And kids have to do this, has to do that. Or a wife is afraid of the husband, or a husband's afraid that he's going to say the wrong thing to the wife. It doesn't make sense. If I'm up, what's wrong with me getting something for my kids? Instead of always saying, get it yourself. Now, sometimes they need to go get it themselves because they're just being lazy. There's nothing wrong with me serving them as long as they know I'm not their servant, if you know what I mean by that. Because <laughs> some kids get carried away. But I know, it, and at least in our house, if I'm up, I'll get something for whoever. Heather does the same thing. Heather offers all the time. She's always doing that. But, but if Stephen or Hannah are up, I've never asked, I don't think I have ever asked them to get me something and they uh, didn't do it or said no. Is it because they're great kids? Well, maybe, but they're good kids. But no, it's because we have been an example of them, of serving each other and serving them. Now, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's okay for them to take advantage of that, but if I never got anything for them, they probably would tell me no when they got old enough to not think that I would whip them for that. They'd probably say they're not doing it. But see, it's because we've built a relationship that things like that happen. See, our homes, when you think about it, our homes should overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. And think about what that is. Now, I'm not here to tell everybody how to run their house, but I am going to say, maybe even some of you in here, but I know of people that they have rules set up in their house that stop the uh, fruit of the Spirit from being able to flow. There's too, much, there's too many rules to prove who's in charge and who pays the bills than for it to actually be a place of love Kindness, peace, long-suffering, self-control, gentleness, meekness, goodness. I don't know. I might be doing two or three translations to make adding some in there. But whatever, you, you get the point. We, we need, it should be a place of peace and love and joy and all those things in our home. And it's important. But what's bad is that in many Christian homes, the only difference between those homes and the homes of those of the world is the rules because there's no peace. And there's no joy like that there should be. And see, this becomes a very dangerous thing. In James chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now that's a strange verse. And uh, you can apply that to anything, but I want you just to apply You can apply it to your job. You can apply it to whatever. I want you to apply it to your home right now. For where envying and, and, and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. See, one of the most important things other than keeping Jesus in your home that you can do is keep strife and envy out of your home. And if you're not building relationships the way that you should, you're probably not going to do a very good job of it. See, because think about it, we focus on providing so much when it comes to our families, when it comes to our homes, when it comes to our, our children. But what about peace? Is your home a home of peace? See, now, I'm going to use uh, us as an example on this because my kids have played all kinds of sports. I like sports. I like to win. I like all that goes along with that. And... Uh, we, uh, we have done from flag football to wrestling to karate 
to t-ball, to basketball, to volleyball, uh, last week pickleball. So whatever it is. And, uh, and most of that stuff is always for the kids. And if it's something that we're doing, usually they're with us doing it too. And uh, so I am definitely not against sports. Uh, Stephen played more sports than Hannah. Hannah, though, played. We spent more money on Hannah because she did the travel ball thing. And, uh, and it, we enjoyed it. We liked it. So I'm not against sports. So I'm going to use that as an example, though. See, we make sure our kids are in every sport possible, or as I say, many people. But then, you now this happened, I will admit, during our time of travel ball, this happened once or twice, even to, to me. We woke up late for a tournament, and we were, oh man, I was going so fast to get there, breaking every law to get there. And I was so ill by the time we got there, I fussed at Hannah and made her cry. I'll admit it, it was bad. I felt horrible. Uh, Heather made me feel worse. Uh, it didn't happen again, though. So, but, um, so sometimes things happen. But I've seen it with a lot of, other, of the other kids and families and the, the parents. And I know I got a good, uh, I got a, a, a friend or, or a guy that I acquaintance that I know, and his kids do two different types of sports. So his wife's going every weekend with one kid. He's going every weekend with the other kid. And they just kind of meet up here and there because he likes one sport better and she likes dance better. One of the girls is in dance. And I mean, it's go, go, go. And then you'll hear their phone conversation sometimes. Man, they're so ill with each other. Because they're going all over the place and she forgot to do something or he forgot to do something and they're ill with each other. Or, or, or you're, they're with the kid and these kids play so much they really don't appreciate it anymore because I've been at the tournaments. They're ready to go home. They don't care because even if they lose, they're going to get to play again next weekend. It's a little different than when I was growing up. So, but then they're fussing because the kid's not appreciating it. Mom and dad's tired. Mom and dad's broke or whatever it is from, from, from doing the sport. And, and they're fussed the whole way to practice or they fuss with their spouse on the phone about something not being right. Everybody's stressed out. And think about it. We're doing it all for them without ever considering how important peace in the home is. It's not worth losing your peace no matter what it is, because what happens when you lose your peace is what takes the place is envy and strife. And where envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. And look, envy and strife, it's not always yelling. It might not even be, there might not be any fussing going on at all. It, it, it might not be. It might not, and it might not have anything to do with sports. Let me get all that. It could be any hobby. It could be work. It could be friends. It could be... Family, it could be any sickness, it could be anything that causes it. But when it comes to, that, that's just the easiest example to use because so many people do it, but this is what happens. We, if we're doing something, we're going out of our way for our kids or our spouse, we make, they make this comment. They say, I'm doing all this for you. Why can't you see this? Well, they can't see it because there's envy and strife in the home and now there's confusion. There's confusion that's going to keep them from seeing the sacrifice that you're making. They're not going to appreciate it because you've let envy and strife enter the home. And confusion's there as well. And we'll say, they'll do something crazy. 
maybe whatever, something bad, maybe even break the law. Maybe your kid does something completely nuts. And they go and they shoplift, even though you would give them $100, $20, whatever, whatever they would ask for. And yet they shoplift something silly, like a $5 item, and they get busted. And you're thinking, all the money I've invested in you, all this that I'm doing for you, and me and your mom are doing this, or me and your dad are doing this, and then you go do something like this, why would you do this? Well, because there's envy and strife in the home. And when there's envy and str wherever envy and strife is, there's confusion in every evil work. An evil work doesn't have to have a reason. It just happens. See, think about that. It didn't say some evil works. It says every evil work. That's what envy and strife could bring. Well, it didn't say they could bring it either. It says where there's envy and strife, it's there. It didn't even say it may happen. It didn't even say it could come about. It's possible. It says it's there. Where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. See, and it doesn't matter how great your home seems. It doesn't matter how hard you're working about this and this thing and that thing. If you've got envy and strife uh, of, of your home, then you have confusion in every evil work. And so you got to think about what that could possibly be. Now, all these other things you think are important, but if there's envy and strife, that means there could be disrespect. There could be lying. There could be stealing. There could be hatred. There could be sexual immorality. There could be perversion. There could be murder. And the list can go on and on and on because it says every evil works. So it could be literally anything. And see, we get to this place and we're trying to provide everything that we can in our homes, whether it's for our spouse or for our, for our kids, just for the family in general. And, and, and these things start happening. And then when they start happening, you know what you do? You make a few phone calls, you put it on Facebook, try to get you a little prayer chain going because everything's bad. And, and I'm not against that. You need to keep praying. But we start praying against this evil work, and we're praying against that evil work, and we're, we're doing spiritual warfare against this attack, and we're, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're fasting about this event that's happening. And we never think about getting rid of envy and strife. We still have a home full of stress. We still have a home full of, well, lacking peace and joy. Not realizing, keep praying all you want, but another thing's coming because envy and strife are there. And if they're there, there's going to be confusion and there's going to be every evil, every evil work. It reminds me of uh, the possum under the church last year. I was uh, showing a picture of the possum to uh, Sister Beverly the other day. So if you want to see the possum, I have a picture on my phone. But he had this church started stinking. We were checking the diaper genie in the nursery. We emptied it. We did all kind of stuff, and when nothing worked, I knew I had to go under the building. And I, we had to search and find that the possum and get him out from under there or whatever it was. It ended up being a big possum. So the thing about it is, is we could have just tried to get some of those air purifiers and run them. We could have bought some air freshener. We could have put some deodorizer on the carpet. We could have done a lot of things, and they may have helped for a short period of time, but until we got the dead body out, let me, maybe somebody not, the dead animal, let's just not say dead body. Until <laughs> so we got the dead animal out from under the building, nothing was going to change. We had to get it out 
or it was going to continue to cause problems. And that's the way envy and strife is in our homes. You, we, we, you've been, the world has tried to tell us about all these things that are so important. Every commercial telling you things that are so important. And there are a lot of great things out there, but nothing's more important than peace in your home. You need peace in your home. It needs, it needs to be a place of peace. And so when we give in to envy and strife, we're making ourselves this huge target for the enemy. And it can start so easily because we don't understand how important it is to love one another. And we don't understand how important it is to show grace and mercy to one another because, you know, there's all these other important things we've got to take care of first. And so we, we don't realize how important it is to keep peace in our homes. Um, when we brought Stephen to college for the first time, so this is going to be very, I just told you this can happen, so it can be simple things. So this is going to sound silly, but this actually could have been a big deal, but uh, this is one of the times where I got it right. So well, those don't happen very often, so you got to share it. But we got him there, and if you've ever taken a kid to college, it's expensive. You drop them off, and that's just the beginning, because then you got to make a trip to Walmart and buy all this stuff that you never even thought of. And so Heather and I go to Walmart with our list, and I'm just kind of stressed out. I'm not enjoying this. And uh, I had to go find him fingernail clippers. You don't think you need fingernail If you're taking your kid to college, he's not going to be able to go steal your fingernail clippers and misplace them. you got to get him his own fingernail clippers. Well, I'm so stressed out, I can't find fingernail clippers in Walmart. I'm staring at this wall of cosmetics. And I've been there a while. And uh, I, it's like when you're looking for a certain type of chips on the chip aisle and you go back and forth. I was like that in the cosmetics. I saw fake fingernails. I saw all, I could not find fingernail clippers. And Heather walks up and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for fingernail clippers. They're right there. Pointed straight to them. So I get the fingernail clippers, and I, she's already marked like 10 items off her list. I'm on number one. Check. <laughs> so I go over to the surge protectors. They had all these surge protectors. I'm trying to think of the layout of Stephen's room. I've just got this, like, staring look on my face at these surge protectors, and I'm like, can I just get the cheap one, you know, the ones that stick out the wall that far? Or do I need to get one of those low-profile flat ones that go in? Oh, man, I can't figure it out. <laughs> Heather's already marked about five more things off her list, and she's, and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm trying to pick out a surge protector. Well, just pick one. Well, I'm trying to think about what the room layout is because I don't know if he needs a low-profile flat one that goes in the wall. And she's like, well, if you don't know, just get the cheapest one they got. You're not, you're, you're not like trying to save anything with this. You're just trying to give him an option for more power outlets. I said, yeah, but what if he needs the low profile? Well, get the low profile one. Well, I don't know which one he needs. Just get the two cheapest. So I get the two cheapest ones they got. We get back to Stephen's dorm room, and the one of them is perfect. I go over there to where his bed's at, and it won't fit because it sticks out too far. But if I would have got the low profile one, it would have fit perfectly. And so for the split second, because this, this goes back to our belief systems, because this sounds silly, but you've all done this. 
the way you think in your head, it can't be my fault that I got the wrong surge protector. So I have this thought in my head. I knew I shouldn't have listened to Heather. <laughs> she, if Heather wouldn't have told me to get the two cheap ones, I would have gotten that, the one I was looking at. And this has got to be her fault. And I almost said it. Almost. I thought, I thought about looking at her and, you know, giving the... It would have been really been what I said. It would have been more the way I said it. I would have given that tone. I'd been like, well, this don't work. I'm glad I got the cheap one, aren't you? But I didn't do that. I didn't do it. I said, uh, I said uh, hey, Heather. I said, uh, one of the search protectors worked fine, but the other one, it won't fit because of the bed. We're gonna, it, he needs one of those low-profile ones, so he'll have to go back to Walmart and get that later. And she says, oh, really? Let me see. She looks at it and she says, oh, I see what you're talking about now. Now I know why you were looking at the surge protectors. Yeah, he can just go back and get that later. And that was the end of it. But see, what happened there is because I didn't start accusing and I didn't, because I did the right thing this time, uh, instead of there being an argument that would have led to envy and strife being in the room, relationship and communication was built. See, because that's the other thing that you have to have is communication. It's going to be really hard to build relationship without communication. And so we have to be careful that what we say and the things that we do, that we're not, that we're not messing that up. Because I said we need to have the fruit of the Spirit in our homes. One of the fruit is self-control. And I don't know about you, but usually the first thing I lose control of is this thing right here. This is, the, this is the one that gets me in trouble more than, more than anything. And uh, um, it's after, I'm going to tell you another story. My mouth got me in trouble this time really bad. Um, but when I was, uh, I was either 17 or 18, I was doing exterminating work. And they had me riding around because I was the young guy. They had me riding around with this crazy man. And uh, he was a really nice guy, but he was, he was crazy. Uh, he's six foot five and weighed about 145 uh, pounds. He looked kind of like this with arms. And uh, he, oh, honestly, I know y'all are Christian people and never watch this, but have you ever watched Beavis and Butthead? He looked exactly like Butthead. He looked just like him. He talked like him too before that, uh, before that cartoon. It just, I think it had just come out, but he talked and looked just like Butthead, except he didn't have braces. And um, we go to this job. He shows up. He's acting crazier than normal. And he's just complaining. And then he tells me he's hungover. And so I'm like, okay. He's, he, he had a really bad drinking problem. And so we have to go do one of the nastiest jobs we probably had that summer. We had to go to this house that had water issues, rip out old plastic level out some of the ground area under there, put new plastic down, some stuff. I mean, it, was, it was horrible. And we get there and we get under that house and he starts complaining and he's cussing everybody in the company. And uh, he's mad at the salesman. He's this, he's that. And uh, I realized at this time, this guy's not hungover, he's still drunk. And he drove me there. <laughs> and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm getting upset with him but what he was doing is he was creating strife. 
And see, so this is the thing with, with this, this thing right here with our mouths. That is contagious. He complained and complained while I'm trying to get started working so we can get this thing over with. And before long, guess what I was doing? I mean, I was complaining right with him. I wasn't cussing, but I was complaining. I couldn't believe the salesman had sold it for that cheap either. He convinced me. And guess what the, what the salesman sold that job for had to do with my pay? Absolutely nothing. It didn't matter what he sold it for. I got paid the same thing whether he sold it or gave it away for free. But yet I was mad at what he had charged. And I'm fussing about, I can't believe they're making us do this. And this is just the nastiest job. And, and so he's still over there burping and all kind of stuff. And, and so I'm like, uh, this is a pretty high crawl space. This is about like that. That was the only good part about it. And finally, I just got to, I was just, just basically just, I don't even know what the right word, I wanted you to say the word vomit, but I just like kind of vomited out this whole big complaining session. And I was so mad at everybody. I, and the thing was, is I still lived at home with mom and dad with no bills. I could have just walked off. I didn't even have to, if the job was that bad, I didn't have to do it. I could have left. But I sit there and I'm, I'm bending down working, trying to do something while I'm complaining. And I said, this is the worst job I've ever been on. I am so miserable right now. I wish I could go home. I don't care what it takes. I wish somebody would just crack me in the head with that rake laying. There was a rake laying over there. So I wish somebody just cracked me in the head with that rake so I could go home. I hadn't thought nothing about because you've done the same thing. You, you know, maybe you didn't have a crazy drunk guy under the house with you, but the, enemy, the enemy's listening to what you say. He, there's a lot of attacks, and you're like, I can't believe the enemy did this. You gave him the idea. He hadn't even thought about it till you told him. And so I'm sitting there, and I've still got my head down. I'm like, I just wish somebody would crack me in the head with that rake so I could go home. About two seconds pass. Wham! He nailed me. With it. Luckily, it was like the middle, the, the middle of, the, uh, of the rake handle and not the end. If he'd hit me with the end of the handle, he would have split my head open and probably killed me. But he hit me with like midway of the rake handle. Crack right upside the head. And I, I said, I jumped, you know, I jumped back. Oh, my God. I said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, you said you want to get hit with a rake? I hit you with a rake. <laughs> and, I, and so now I've realized my head's not bleeding and I'm going to live. And I've got him in a chokehold underneath this crawl space. And I got him up by his collar and I'm right in his face and I'm telling him that I'm getting ready to murder him under this house. And he just laughs. And when he laughs, the smell of alcohol was so strong, I realized he can't help it. He was, he was in bad shape. And uh, so finally, I just told him, I said, listen, I still got him by the collar. I said, get out from under this house and go get in the truck. And I don't want to see you anymore today or I might kill you. And uh, he goes and turns the truck on. And he slept all day in the air conditioner while I had to do the job all by myself because of my big mouth. But. That's what happens to many of us. We might not get hit in the head with a rake, but you probably faced even worse than that because you got in a big complaining session and allowed strife to enter the atmosphere of wherever you're at, whether it's work, whether it's the home, whether it's the car. A lot of strife happens in the car rides when you're going places. But we need to be careful about that because we need to know what's in our house. 
We need peace in our house. How can revival start in the home if we don't make it a place of peace? We want God, we, God, we want your presence. and you know, we, want, we want to have this kind of encounter with our family or that. And, and I believe revival looks like family. And I believe revival can start at the home. But how is it going to happen in the home if we don't make it a place of peace? If we just continue to forfeit that over and over because we think other things are, are more important or because we don't guard our mouths or because we don't see how important it is to let the fruit of the Spirit flow and actually show kindness to one another and self-control and all those other things, long-suffering, oof, that's a tough one. But every one of us, we have a part to play. God, God can use you to make the difference in your home. Whether you're the, the husband, the wife, or kids that are here, let it be you. What can you do to make your home more of a place of peace where the Spirit of the Lord can flow and the fruit of the Spirit can be present? I believe that if we'll do that, I believe revival will start to begin in our homes. I believe changes will take place. So, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we want to be careful of what's in our homes and also what's in this house, God. We want this house to be a place of peace and joy and love. We want this house to be a place that flow, uh, overflows with the fruit of the Spirit, God. Lord, we want this place to be a place where you're, you're welcome and where revival can take place. We don't want to be in a place of envy and strife and backbiting and all those things, God. So help us to do what we can on our part, God, whatever, uh, as much as within us to live peaceably with all men, Lord. Help us to do it. Lord, help us to stay humble and to, and to realize that, that when things are our fault, things we need to work on and not always point the finger at others. Lord, I thank you for an amazing group of people. I thank you for hearts of compassion that want to pray for the sick and the lost and the hurting God, Lord. And we just thank you for breakthroughs and miracles like with, the, like with Sister Manning, Lord. We thank you for, for healing, God. And we just continue to lift up those that are in need knowing that you're so amazing, God. And Lord, I pray that you bless every person that stepped out in faith to come forward this morning, God. Lord, I pray that you just start giving out anointings for healing, Lord, and anointings for, uh, for, for wisdom and discernment and all those different things and faith and miracles, God. Though we just thank you. We just bless your name, Lord, and we just are so excited about what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.